and welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. I'm going to go and introduce our panelists. Uh, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor, Ward Mythaler. We also have retired Chief John Newman, a retired Captain Brett Bartlett, retired Corporal David D. Gresta, and retired officer Andrea Casal, producer Will Statzer. So thanks, guys, for being on the show. Uh, we are also sponsored this evening by Column Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Viridian Weapon Technologies, and um, Column Case Management. Um, you know, we got a great lineup here, guys, for you this evening as well. So going to be a little bit of a change to the lineup, and we'll be explaining that as we go on. So uh, guys, we've got a video we want to start off with this evening. Um, it's uh, it's not great news. It's covered by policeone.com and also on legalfairs.com. Uh, two California deputies have been shot, critically wounded in an ambush uh, that was actually caught on video. Uh, so we have these uh, two Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies there. When the article was originally written, they were fighting for their lives after being shot on Saturday evening in Compton. And authorities described it as an ambush that was uh, captured on surveillance video. So the surveillance is not, uh, the video is not the greatest, uh, but it was released by the department. It shows a gunman walking up to a parked police car and he pulls out a gun he fires several times into the front seat area from the passenger side and then you see the bad guy running away from the scene now the sheriff's department um, said that the shooting occurred about 7 p.m near the blue line rail station and it says that one male deputy one female deputy were ambushed as they sat in the patrol vehicle they both sustained multiple gunshot wounds and they were listed in critical condition and they were undergoing surgery when the original article was written and law enforcement sources told the los angeles times that at least one of the deputies was shot in the face and another one was shot in the head and it said that both the deputies were members of uh, sheriff alex uh, villanueva's transportation detail now the second article, the follow-up, talking about the manhunt continuing, that says that the uh, both officers were expected to survive, and that there's an intense manhunt going manhunt going on for the gunman. And both deputies, they confirmed, were shot in the head near the Compton Metro Station. They went through surgery. They're now listed in stable condition. It says that the video was reviewed by the Los Angeles Times. It showed a figure in dark clothes casually walking up the pathway near the Compton Blue Line station, approached the deputy's park police car from behind, though, and he draws closer, turns to face the passenger side door, and then he picks up his pace, and then he gets inches from the window, raises a gun, opens fire, and then runs back away in the direction that he came from. Moments later, you actually see in the video clip, the passenger door uh, opens up. Uh, they don't show up, but a, a deputy stumbles out, He's got hands on his head, and then the driver's side door opens up, and then there's a radio call, and you know they learn out from that that the officer, you know, had been shot, and they had an officer, you know, officers down. So just a uh, a horrible, you know, a horrible video that I have to cover on the show. But would love to get some input, guys, from y'all on, you know, what you think about this. So, um, David, do you want to go first? Take it first, and then and Brett, I know your mic's open too. Go ahead, guys. Yeah. Um... I know that there'd been a lot of stuff going around uh, in different major metropolitan areas about uh, these uh, gang initiation things that they started talking about. This, that's what this looks like on the video. The, the shooter looks small, perhaps juvenile or very, very a younger person. So uh, I, I'm, you know, just from what, what I'm seeing and, and the, the way that it went down, that's kind of where I'm leaning, but you know, you're talking about, guys, you're, you're talking about end of days here. I mean, this is just so 
phenomenally, incredibly mind-blowing uh, when you see stuff like this that it 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 really sets you back. And I don't care how long you've been on or or, or how much experience you have in this job. It's just one of those things that it, it's it's really hard to wrap your head around. Um, I'm hoping that you're going to talk about or somebody's going to bring up the equally horrific and I'm going to kill you all kind of moment at the hospital when you have protesters then trying to block the hospital entrance for to get these deputies into the hospital and chanting, let them die and we hope you die and stuff like that. I've got to tell you, if I'm there and I'm in uniform, I'm, I'm throwing it all down and somebody's going to get really badly hurt. And if I kill two or three people trying to get these deputies through the front door, I, I got to tell you, that's what would have happened. John, you'd have fired me. Brett, you'd have investigated me. But that's probably what would have happened. I can't even imagine that end of it as well, as you have protesters then standing at the hospital um, trying to block them from getting assistance and then chanting that they hope they die. Um, I, I'm just absolutely appalled at this and it takes a lot to appall me i hope everybody's watching and i hope you vote accordingly come come november people it i mean that's that's the only way this is going to come to an end thanks corporal captain brett um i agree um i think maybe it was initiation i think maybe that there has been a lowered bar for people who wouldn't normally act out this way, but you know, they see there's no consequences, you know, it's like little children pushing their environment. So I think these people are pushing and pushing and pushing. Now, when it comes to people blocking the entrance to the, to the hospital, if I've got somebody with me, an officer is wounded and the doctor's on the other side of those people, I will go through you and, and, and damned if you're in the way, if you've touched, touch me, I will shoot you. I will push through like a quarterback, like a like a line trying to get to the goalpost, I will push through you. Um, if 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 I'm locked in the building by you people, I'm coming out. If you're in the way of my gun when I pull the trigger, that's just too bad for you. I'm tired of it. We are going to come through you people. We're going to push through, and if you're in the way, you're going to get hurt. Thanks, Captain uh, Attorney Ward. As a sidebar, I need to point out that the. Los Angeles Times here is as bad as the AP. They refer to the, quote, police killing of George Floyd. I'm tired of hearing that. The implication is, is that the death was intentional, and I don't believe it was. I'm not even convinced yet that it was even a killing by the police and not something else. So there's going to be another example of that in the AP later on, but I want to point that out. I mean, on this very show, when Higgins was on, three of the panel members referred to this, the the death of George Floyd as a, as a murder. And I think that's just something we need to be careful about. Thanks, Ward. Chief John. You know, I've got to agree with David that, you know, this is where, you know, the, everything's getting worked up. It's a little bit different than the 2014 NYP case where, you know, Lou and Ramos were shot by that guy over the, you know, in revenge for the Eric Gardner death. Um, the guy's name was Brinsley. He, he, he shoots both those guys in their car in Bedford's thigh. And then he goes down to the subway and, and kills himself. This guy here got into a car. It, it, you know, I really think it is one of those uh, trophy ambushes where, you know, someone put up for it, you know, so, and, you know, the, the, the mayor and her tone um, in, in that neighborhood, you know, 
ha had a lot of disparaging things to say about law enforcement, um, you know, because she was the victim of a horrible traffic stop, um, you know, not more than two or three weeks ago. So, you know, you, you watch the video. It's hard to watch. The secondary videos have come out where they're getting out of the car. You, you know, I listened to the radio dispatch. Um, you know, it's these, neither one of these officers had a lot of time on. They were actually part of a transport unit. So, you know, some of us here remember when we were doing operations. If you were the wagon guy, you know, it, it was, you know, one, probably because you weren't quite ready to do some other things. Two, or the luck of the draw that you worked the wagon. And that was just a, you know, a long shift that you were going to be assigned to. But they were a part of the, you know, the transportation detail. And to have this guy walk up and ambush him, one is so cowardly. You know, you know, they, it just so cowardly what, what he did. And, you know, I hope the $100,000 award, um, you know, gets to some people. I mean, we dealt with that when we had our two officers killed here in Tampa, where after a while, the uh, the award and the pressure on the community was so great that even, um, you know, our, you know, the, our bad guy here, I don't like using his name, even he got, you know, given up. So I'm hoping the, uh, the community does the right thing. It was nice in the article that you provided, um, Chip that goes with this. It's nice to hear some of the community people chime in and say, you know, this is nonsense. These these folks went to work that day, and you know, there but the grace of God, they they almost didn't go home. So yeah, it was horrible to watch. But I don't think it's like we had the NYPD. I think this is one of those trophy ambushes where that guy is gonna, you know, either get it, you know, initiated into a gang or he's looking for recognition amongst his his other criminal counterparts. You know, the um, what's it? Uh, the Fox contributors, is it Tommy Lauren, the uh, blonde girl that's really sharp? And uh, I watch her Twitter feed. That's how I actually found out about the uh, the shooting. Um, and she was talking about how Antifa and Black Lives Matter are responsible. They have blood on their hands. And, and I have to agree with that sentiment. So um, is there anybody else want to add anything? I saw. Yeah, uh, yeah David Chip, it, it's not. But it's not just Black Lives Matter. And Antifa. although they may be, you know, some of the the, the louder out front uh, jerk offs that are pushing this sort of stuff. You've got the, the politicians like like John talked about. You've got the politicians in these jurisdictions that are not holding people accountable for bad actions and that are then by that there's been, as Brett said, no no consequences for these actions. And so they're fomenting it. it, it and it, it, it's and until those people are either removed or, or slapped so that they get it right, um, this is going to go on. So for all those community members out there that are saying, oh, this is bad, this is not us, it's time to vote the jerks out of office that you put there that are doing this and put people in office that are willing to stand up for what is right, for what the, what the facts are, what the actual truth is, not their truth, but the truth. And until you do that, this stuff is going to continue to go on in those jurisdictions. Uh, but this one, this article, it's covered by the nationalreview.com. It's actually, our attorney, Ward Mythaler, actually sent this to me. And uh, it's, it's called The Coming Police Crisis. And, you know, it's talking about some stuff that uh, David just touched on, but, you know, that we're going to have to really, you know, start dealing with. Um, you know, in law enforcement, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be, you know, any way of getting around it. So, uh, but, um, you know, guys, what I would really like to do before going any further here 
is talk about Colin Case Management software for the life cycle of your case. Some of the biggest clients they have are Chicago PD, New Orleans PD, the Texas Department of Insurance, and the Inspector General of Ohio, but their typical agency is only 15 to 30 investigators that are using their software. And why is that, you might ask? Not only is the data easy to enter and to manage, but you can quickly drag and drop any size attachment, including video, into the case. They have a link analysis module, community policing module, smart reporting, and their mobile first technology. It actually lets you do all this from your smartphone, your laptop, or your desktop. They also have a 24-hour help desk that will respond to you within 30 to 45 seconds. Imagine that. So Column Case, they've launched their uh, NIBRS compliant records management application. And for a limited time, you can actually mention Leo Roundtable, our show, for a free two-year subscription, pretty amazing. Uh, from the opening complaint to case close, let Colin manage the life cycle of your case, visit columncase.com or schedule a free demo by emailing info at columncase.com. And, you know, we really do appreciate, you know, their sponsorship. So in talking about the, uh, the coming police crisis, we're living in a climate of hostility against the police. And this, according to the article, the result is already apparent in soaring crime rates as cops pull back from the proactive police work that keeps us safe. Cops are being, or uh, I guess are, are gonna keep showing up for work despite all this stuff going on. They're not gonna go on strike or parade in front of local police stations with picket signs, but they're going to stop performing the kind of proactive police work that every good cop knows is what really prevents crimes. And no doubt, uh, the author suspects they've already started doing that. So as the turmoil um, uh, keeps mounting around Black Lives Matter agitation in American cities, more and more law enforcement officers realize that in just about any encounter with black suspects, they risk being thrown to the wolves uh, by their local prosecutors, mayors, and also police administrators, you know, people that are on supposedly on their own side, no matter how right or blameless they might actually be in the actions that they took under pressure. And the crisis cops are facing today, according to the article, is that by simply doing their jobs, they were increasingly at risk of unjust outcomes or having their own lives being in danger. Um, so that's the... Um, that's this article, and you know, I thought it was pretty inter interesting enough to, to stick on. And of course, Ward sent it to me. Ward, do you want to go and start it off and then let Chief Newman jump in? I, I sent it to you just because the National Review is a very thoughtful, intelligent, conservative magazine. Um, I thought it made good reading. I would point out that there's nothing in the article that Brett and David and John have not elaborated on before. I just thought it was a well-written summary of things that's that's been said on this show. Thank you. Chief Newman. You know, I, I, was, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, sometimes I wish, that, you know, the few of us can get together and, and uh, write some articles because he hit on all the highlights that we're talking about. But really right now in this age of total resistance against law enforcement and the lack of support, not from the general public, because I feel it. I go out and people say, hey, thanks for your service. It's a really an occupational calculus that these folks are doing. You know, always like, and I think the the example of dro just driving by a street corner, we have three or four guys that you would normally get out of the car, stop, you know, do some proactive and self-initiated work. Instead, they're just going to drive right by, and as you you know, the author described, and wait to report the mayhem that they conduct. That's an occupational calculus. I think a lot of officers are really you know looking at when they go to work at night. Do I really want to get the hell out of my car? And something horrible happens because, as we've seen, I know we're going to talk it on some of the videos, you can shoot a guy that's armed with a knife over his head, and you're still going to get two or three nights worth of protest because they don't give a hell what, the hell, what they see on a body cam. 
or you're going to get that politician that doesn't really care about you on one video that we'll see maybe tonight from Denver. So I think there's some occupational calculus going on, but I, I think Ward's right. I wish every now and then we just all get together, put pen to paper, and because he does a very good job encapsulating what everyone on this panel has said, what you're going to see from law enforcement in a couple of years. And it's already happened. Look at the skyrocketing crime stats that you're seeing in a lot of these cities that are already experiencing this type of disengagement. Thanks, Chief. Uh, Andrea and Brett. Go ahead, guys. Um, I think that, you know, we're used to seeing it every so often. If somebody gets disciplined for doing something that they don't feel that they did anything wrong, we had seen it in the past. Um, you know, people kind of back off. They're afraid to interact with, with the general public, and you'll, you'll see them. So now we have a widespread of that. These guys haven't even gotten in trouble. They're on the street. They're going out there trying to do their job. I think that the biggest thing is, I don't even think it's just race-related. You know, you talk about all the increased drugs and everything like that. We, You know, a lot of the officers on the street, I mean, everybody carries Narcan now. And the liability of having to, do we administer it? Do we not? You know, everybody's blood is on their hands. I just think that you're going to see people underact and, you know, we've seen it before. We're going to continue to see officers getting hurt. We're going to continue to see, you know, general public getting hurt because we're, you know, the officers on the street are slow, slow to react. Um, and I just think law enforcement has changed completely and we're going to continue to see it. You know, uh, thanks. And Brett, I know you're in line here. Uh, Andrea, since you're the most recent one retired, do you, I was wondering if you still had a Narcan kit that we could maybe test out on, on Ward when we get together for our next video. I'll answer that after the show. Cause if I have it, then uh, I might be in trouble. <laughs> I can get, I can get one though. I could definitely get one. <laughs> Captain Brett, former internal affairs commander. I'm probably picking a bad time to throw that mention that, but go ahead, Captain. Nah, never a bad time to say I was a, a rotten rat. That's what you people used to call them. So, you know, uh, we saw this before, Chip, in a different light. Remember years ago when that, that horrible, horrible uh, mayor we had took away the took away the, the pursuits and bad guys would pull up next to us. They would flip us off and then they would run and we couldn't do anything. And we spent all day writing reports. That's what we did. We went home and wrote reports on overtime. We wrote reports. So we come to today. Now, the city has taken this. The agencies have taken away another thing, and it's and it's the it's not it's not the uh, the fact that we can't chase cars anymore. It's this: they've taken away the officers' willingness to be a proactive officer. So they've taken something away from us. So now they've taken it away from us. Hey, if they just want me to write reports, that's what I'm going to do. I'll write reports. You've taken my weapon away, which is my ability to go out and hunt for the bad guy. You have removed that from my arsenal. And that's on them. That's not on the cops. Don't tell me that the chiefs don't sit around at night thinking, I'm kind of glad my guys aren't being proactive because now I don't have to deal with the fallout because the mayor's up my ass, the people are up my ass. And so what if a couple of innocent people get hurt? Well, that's not so, such a bad thing. We'll write the report. We get all these brand new cruisers and the nice computers with the spell checker. We can't even screw up the report that says the guy got victimized because the cops didn't show up in time. So again, they, they've taken away a weapon when they decide to give us that back, like Mayor Greco, remember he gave us back the chase policy. Things turned around back then, didn't they? Things absolutely turned around. And until these agencies, until these cities give us back the weapon of proactivity, it's going to be the same thing. Thanks, Captain. Uh, Andrea, we got about you know 25 seconds before I got to take another PSA, but go ahead. 
I just want to expand on what Brett just said. Just real quick, we used to have a general respect when we would get into a pursuit. You know, bad guys knew it was a chase. It was a game. You you know, you caught them, and you, they went to jail, and there was a mutual respect. Nobody was out to hurt each other, first of all. Second of all, the other thing is you're, you're making those really good cops that have discretion. You're taking away discretion. You know, there's a lot of really good cops that I know that might not have written a report, but, man, they— they sure as heck knew where to catch the bad guy. So Thanks, Andrea. Anyways. I got to jump in here. But uh, hey, if anyone is interested in, in watching our show and communicating with us during the live show, all you have to do is go to our YouTube channel. So go to YouTube and find Leo Roundtable and subscribe to our channel and make sure that you have your alerts turned on. Then you'll get notices when we do our live shows. Now that's at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, you get the email notice, click on the link, and you can jump on in and talk to us. So I know that uh, Brett Bartlett's on there, you know, right now conversing. I know producer Will's on there as well. I do it as time permits. Um, some of our uh, other, you know, panelists, you know, might be doing that, doing that as well. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to invite you guys to check it out. It makes for a, a great experience. And depending on what you guys say, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, mention you in some of the comments, you know, as well. So, uh, and I know when Cody's on the, on the show, you know, she does that as well. So, but Andrea, um, sorry to cut you off, but go ahead and I'll let you finish your point real quick here. No, I was just saying you're taking something away from those more experienced officers when it comes to discretion or different things like that. Um, and, and I just think that you're, you know, you're, you're really hindering, um, a lot of that intuition that people have when they go into law enforcement. Um, I think we need to be really careful with that because you're just going to end up we're telling people what to do, how to react, and, and some people don't know how to respond when they're told what to do. It's just intuition, and it just takes away a completely different type of law enforcement. Thank you. Corporal David. You know, what, what Brett was describing um, and what Andrea uh, expounded on was, was all great. All, all I was going to add or was going to say was, you know, as I was reading the article and it got to the point where it said, picture this scenario, and as I read down from there. I just got this, this lovely, warm feeling inside as I was reading that scenario going, oh my goodness, that brings back some lovely memories. But now, but nowadays, as Brett said, it becomes, it becomes very problematic for that cop on that beat uh, that's on that patrol that, that knows his zone, that knows his bad guys to get involved in something like that. It's, it's difficult. But the warm sensation and the, and the window that we broke out of that, out of that uh, passenger side of that Stolen vehicle bread at church in uh, Gandhi. Do you remember that one? <laughs> the one we couldn't chase? I don't know. Uh, David, I think you're mistaken because you're talking to the internal affairs commander, former, you know, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. So, but uh, I need a rep. <laughs> I bet you do need a rep. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate the content. Moving along here, let's see. We do have a uh, an update that I'll cover real quick here. Um, PoliceOne.com, uh, Connecticut Chiefs officers are, are seeking uh, the changes to the new accountability law in special session. So, you know, they voted in some new rules and laws, David, and apparently they don't like the outcome of that. Imagine that. And this is in Connecticut. Remember, Connecticut's the state that was trying to go to a 2020 hindsight uh, use of force. You know, California went to the uh, the necessary over reasonable. And so what's even worse than that is a 2020 hindsight. So three months later, you find out that the bad guy you shot was deaf or the gun was unloaded or it was a replica or whatever. They want to jam you up, you know, uh, civilly and criminally on that. So this is in Hartford, Connecticut. Listen, two months after this police accountability bill was signed in the law, this new one, police chiefs and rank and file officers are asking the legislature to make changes in an upcoming special 
session. And, you know, I, I know they're preaching to the choir because I know that we've been talking about this. The Police Officers Association of Connecticut is not seeking to overturn the entire law, but instead they're seeking to just tweak sections of it uh, because it's hurt morale. Imagine that. And it's led to the early retirements that they predict will continue into the future. And these provisions include new restrictions on the use of deadly force that officers say they're too vague, and they're banning the uh, consent searches, actually, that officers say will lead to fewer guns and drugs being taken off the street during routine traffic stops. The new law also allows officers to be fired for undermining public confidence in police work, and officers say the term needs to be better defined and makes them hesitant to do their jobs. So uh, Senate President Pro Tem Martin Looney of New Haven and, and House Majority Leader uh, Matt Ritter of Hartford said they are open to changes, uh, but not a wholesale rewrite of the 71-page bill. I imagine reading through that sucker. And they're willing to make specific fixes, but no final decisions have been made, yada, yada. But um, Senator Gary Winfield, a New Haven, uh, New Haven Democrat, he helped write the bill. He says that he thinks that some of the things that people are saying that are unclear, he thinks they're actually clear, that they just don't like them. And uh, so this guy's a, a, a piece of work. So uh, anyhow, um, David, do you want to add your two cents in on this? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, we talked about this before. At least, at least I um, was pretty uh, stressful about saying that uh, later on in the article. You didn't, you didn't really mention it, but they talked about the the retirements, uh, people leaving, doing something else. Again, I would encourage officers that are in these jurisdictions to to, to play it out, see where it goes, and then start looking for a job someplace else where you're a little bit more appreciated and where the laws make more sense um and and allow these people and this guy what a name martin looney come on that, that's not his real name come on chip did you make that up anyways go somewhere where as a law enforcement officer you are uh more in tuned with the laws and regulations of the agency that you're going to go to work for be it in connecticut or an adjacent state just go somewhere else and find a job somewhere else guys i know I'm sitting here, and I know it's not easy, but we've gone over this before, but that's your only option, or you're going to end up in prison, arrested, charged. You may not go to prison. You may It may all get thrown out in court, but you, you really want to go down that road to be that guy or that girl that gets charged for something that for doing your job. It's no. All right. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. All right, there's nobody else, guys. We'll move on. And I think we got another video coming up here. Now, this is on policeone.com and also on leoaffairs.com. Now, this officer-involved shooting, video involved, man chases a cop with a knife. Now, I want to go and stress the word chasing the cop because that's what you're going to witness when you watch this video. And I'll tell you guys, for our listeners, uh, I'll tell you in a few moments, you know, how you can uh, watch these videos that we're, you know, reviewing here. Um, so this is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So the Lancaster Bureau of Police, they've released the body-worn camera footage from this fatal shooting and the bad guy that was killed, 27-year-old Ricardo Munoz. So it says that the Lancaster District Attorney's Office that they're investigating the shooting, and they said that Munoz was acting in a threatening manner toward police who had been called over a domestic disturbance. Officers arrived at the home. It was about 4.15 p.m. The video was released on Sunday night. It shows an officer approaching the home. He asked a woman who answers the door, you know, where'd this guy go? And 
it goes on from there that the video, well, anyhow, after after a moment, the man can be heard saying something as the woman says um, in Spanish, basically, you know, oh, God. And while she goes to the side porch, the officer tells her to get back as a man comes running out of the home and he's got a knife in his hand. So the officer runs. Now the officer, there's no doubt the officer's running because you can see his hands going up and down as he's running in the opposite direction of this guy coming at him with the knife. And uh, the man's chasing him. The knife is raised. And then you see the officer while he's running just turns around and you can hear shots being fired. Um, it's kind of hard to hear in the footage, but the man can then be seen laying on the sidewalk. And according to the uh, Lancaster online uh, protests broke out in the city, you know, following the shooting. Now, in a follow-up article, because the first article didn't really touch on it, about an hour after the Lancaster mayor, uh, Deneen Soros, she asked the public to be patient during the investigation. Apparently, uh, that's all had to be said because police had to use chemical agents to disperse a crowd of about 100 people. They were gathering outside the police station, and there was actually damage to the police station, and the standoff is supposedly still going on. Um, some of the protesters, they threw bricks through the front window of the station. They damaged the Lancaster County vehicle that were parked outside the front of the police station. It says the people on the ramp, uh, anyhow, they were throwing glass bottles and rocks and bricks and gallon jugs of liquids and plastic, just all kinds of stuff, and uh, barricades, you know, shutting down traffic. It was just a mess. So uh, Chief Newman and Captain Bartlett, go ahead, guys. First, talking about the shooting, you know, if you grew up in the city, the guy, he's on, he's coming out of a stoop. So he's three or four steps higher than the officer. So, you know, flight is a really good, you know, tactic at this point, you know, getting distance. But this is what we've talked, we've been talking about for a few weeks now. The guy has a knife raised over his head and the officer shoots him. And we have protests and we have it on body camera. Facts matter. But we're still going to protest, you know, because and that's the only problem to what we were talking about that Dave made a point on. Well, you know, with the last a couple of uh, stories ago about, you know, low, slowing down on the self-initiated cases. Well, you're still going to get calls for service 418 on a Sunday for a domestic. And you're still going to run into some jack wagon that's got a knife over his head and the officer shoots him. And you're still, you know, you're under protest that it makes no sense to me. And I think people have had it. I know I have. Thanks, Chief. Cap Captain uh, Brett, um, I didn't know if, uh, if if John kind of said some of the stuff you were going to say, if you wanted to add anything to that, but. Uh, I'd like to, yes, thank you. Um, thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, here's the thing. The agencies, a lot like us on the show, spend too much time trying to dissect a police shooting, looking for its justification or not. And at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter. Evidenced by this one. I mean, this is just the latest one. So why would agencies spend the time to try to defuse a situation that cannot be defused? No matter what the agencies say, no matter what evidence is out there, knives, guns, it, it doesn't seem to matter, does it? And so why, just, just give up, just give up. Just quit trying to justify it, move forward, Riot after riot after riot. Take all the people that are that are that are producing that video, put their put their behinds in internal gear and tell them to go hit the street. Because our videos aren't working, our articles aren't working, our explanations aren't working. Justified or not, it's not working. So take all those people, turtle them up, stick them on the line, and bust a couple of heads. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. 
Now, uh, Corporal, you got a few seconds here before I got to move yeah, on, I'm, but go I'm, ahead. I'm, I'm fascinated with the with the dynamic and at and to Brett's point, at what point does a mayor look at that look at that and say this is justified? Anybody that riots, we're cracking your head. If you raise your hand with a rock in it, we're going to shoot you dead, and and then it's over with. It's done. That that's it. Period. Thank you, Corporal. All right, I appreciate it. Guys, I uh, want to give a, a shout out here in a second. And uh, we've got, but first, you know, we're going to be talking about a, another interesting article on Police One. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk to you guys about something that's affecting our law enforcement agencies nationwide right now. Our country is crying out for accountability around who we hire to serve and protect them. I've had a front row seat in not only seeing, but also in experiencing the flaws in vetting and hiring law enforcement officers. It doesn't have to be this way. And our friends at Guardian Alliance Technologies, they have the solution. Guardians have developed a, a CGIS compliant background investigative software platform that actually helps you uncover potentially problematic applicants in record time while helping to ensure you have the best quality officers serving. So in, in other words, you're finding out, you know, the bad apples before it's too late. So there's no upfront fees, no training fees, no installation costs, no alert time long-term contracts or commitment. So I strongly recommend that you visit them today at guardianalliancetechnologies.com. Uh, you know, Brett, if we would have had this technology, you know, a while back, that would have been really cool. But uh, so moving along, guys, and thanks for, uh, you know, sticking around here for us, policeone.com. It, it talks about uh, why you should do crisis rehearsal every day. I, I know this is something that David's talked about a lot. Um, now, in this article, it was written by uh, Marty Katz, uh, says that a sergeant that he worked for for years was shot and killed during a shift. And the question is, is that uh, do crisis rehearsal in your mind every day? Or I guess that's a statement he's making. Um, practice for all the what ifs. When the time arrives, it is too late to think. So you must react and react correctly. If you practice, your mind will react as if you've done this before, even if you never have. So it's an interesting article. We'll have it, you know, a link to it on the website. Um, but uh, Captain Brett, you want to jump in on this one? Yeah, this, this is not a new thing. This, this type of thing's been going on for a while. I've read a lot of books on the dynamics and the psychology and physiology of shooting. And, and, and what seems to run constant through all the authors is, is that just like ath great athletes, we should take quiet time every day, close our eyes, and imagine the scenario running through our heads. Imagine ourselves going into the 7-Eleven. Imagine us turning and seeing a bad guy with a gun. Imagine us getting our gun out, shooting the bad guy to the ground and winning the scenario. So by the time it happens to it, our brain can say, oh, we've seen this before. Even though it wasn't real, I've seen this before. I imagine what I'm gonna do. And so the brain reaction takes care of business without you having to come up with the, with the solution. You already have the solution in your head. So you, you do that, you do dynamic situation training, simulation training. You go through it over and over again. So that when it happens, just like I heard a story years ago about a policeman who was, uh, he remembers uh, a guy came out with a knife and his thought was, I got to shoot this guy. Next thing you know, the guy's taking hits and falling down. And also remembers thinking in that brief instant, wow, somebody else shot him for me. He really thought there must be my backup. And then a nanosecond later, he looks down and he sees his gun smoking and the bad guy's down. That's how we need to train to. And you do that by visualization training. Visualize yourself in the scenario, winning the fight, and the bad guy goes down every time. And we're ahead of the game now. 
Beautiful. And you got two thumbs up from David. So, all right, excellent. All right, guys. Moving along here, then let's see our next one that we have here. Um, I do have another update, and this is on police one and law enforcement today. A police chief gets stabbed in the face after answering his door. Uh, guys, this is just um, this is crazy. So, Berkeley County, uh, South Carolina, Chief Franco Fuda uh, was in his home. He actually says he was on duty, putting on equipment and wearing his uniform. I'm thinking 1085, Brett. But uh, when he heard someone knock on his door on Monday. So that's when the chief of the uh, Bono Police Department, he saw a man in his front yard, and this guy has been trespassed from his property, and the man's identified by authorities as Forrest Bowman. Now, allegedly, uh, he said the police chief was gonna die. So when the chief uh, gets to his phone and calls 911, it says the man hit him. So it doesn't really say about the chief opened the door and the confrontation stuff, but the police chief attempts to arrest Bowman, our bad guy, and then sees that he's holding a sharp pointy object um, in his hand. So Bowman used an ice pick to stab the police chief in the face. And there's photos um, that are available and they were shared with WCSC and WCIV and they show him with blood under his left eye. So Bowman, or bad guys, accused of running uh, to a home and barricading himself inside. He's later caught, charged with attempted murder, according to the sheriff's office. But uh, just a uh, you know a horrible scene. But it could happen to any of us. So and and you know especially with the video that we first you know we we covered in the very beginning of the show and 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 this stuff's going on. We just got to be on our guard. So uh, guys, any comments on this or? If not, we'll move on to our next one then. And let's see, we've got another video here. And this is covered by policeone.com and also on Leo Affairs. So we are in Houston now. We have four Houston cops that have been fired over a fatal shooting. It's controversial, though. You'll see why in a second. So Nicholas Chavez uh, already um, has been shot uh, twice by police and he's on his knees and he pulls out a taser toward him as four Houston police department officers, they fire um, a barrage of bullets according to the article and it's all caught on uh, video. So the officers involved in the April 21st death identified as Sergeant Benjamin LeBlanc and Patrick Rubio, Omar Tapia and Luis Alvarado, they were actually fired on Thursday for what police chief Art Acevedo said was their decision to fire a com combined 21 rounds at Chavez, our bad guy, who was, according to the chief, suffering from an apparent mental break and who died following their 15-minute encounter in East Houston. And the chief uh, determined that the fatal shots were not objectively, uh, uh, and remember I'm saying that they were not objectively reasonable. This is so... That's what the chief's determination was. And here's a quote from the chief saying, you don't get to shoot somebody 21 times because at the time, Mr. Chavez was at his greatest level of incapacitation. And he goes on to say that prior to his death, Chavez is 27 years old. He'd already been shot, stunned, and was unable to get up on his own. And it doesn't say anything about him not being able to fire a weapon or a taser at somebody, uh, but says the uh, officers could have taken two or three steps back when he reached for the spent taser, but instead they opened fired. And he says, quote, I cannot defend that, unquote. So Mayor uh, Sylvester Turner um, said that, you know, he watched the video. It says he tearfully says he watched the video and that he had, he, he, he didn't see a lot of problems with it until after the, the eight seconds surrounding Chavez's death, you know, appear. He says that um, this bad guy could have lived and could have gotten the help that he desperately needed. Now, concerned citizens first reported seeing a distraught man throwing himself in front of cars along state, Interstate 10. 
jumping, jumping fences in the neighborhood. He has a metal tube in his hand. He's bleeding. He's raining. So police get called, and this guy, or bad guy, is frantically huddled under a street light. And then video from Sergeant LeBlanc's camera showed that he ordered the officers to get their tasers out, assured Chavez, our bad guy, from a distance that they were there to help him. Minutes go by as the officers urged Chavez to actually calm down. And here's a quote saying, I'm a uh, MHMRA patient. I feel like dying. This is what Chavez calls out. And that's the acronym for the Harris Center Mental Health Clinic. Officers tell him that's fine. Have a seat. But Chavez starts pacing the parking lot. He starts stumbling, flailing, stabbing himself with what officers thought was a knife. So LeBlanc, um, who's the sergeant, I believe, fires two beanbag rounds at Chavez and Alvaredo follows with the taser. Neither of them have an effect on him. And then LeBlanc and another officer, who's Kevin Nugent, they fire combined three shots at Chavez because he starts going towards the officers with a metal object. And um, it says the uh, chief found only the instance in the uh, 20, I guess he found only that instance in the 24 total rounds that were fired to be reasonable. The officers then uh, flocked towards Chavez to, Chavez to get medical aid to him, detain him, but then he rolls over with his, um, I guess he's got blood on his hands, and he starts yelling profanities out, then police back up, and during the commotion, an officer drops her taser, and it's got wires attached to it, so she didn't want the officer to trip over, so she drops it. Several more minutes go by that are edited out of the video, but Chavez takes refuge in a ditch, and officers try to get him to drop the knife. He yells, kill me, you're bleeding out, let us help you, the cops tell him. So he leaps out of the ditch and uh, unprovoked, and he, uh, you know, this is where the, there's a beanbag projectile. He gets to his knees, he starts grabbing the taser wires to get the taser pointing at the officers, and that's where they uh, where they shoot him. So there, there's a lot more stuff of this, but that's the, uh, the nuts and bolts of this thing. And, uh, you know, guys, we've got about a minute before I'm going to have to take another break. Uh, but uh, Captain Bartlett, go ahead and jump in on this. Well, I'm not sure I understood the whole story. I, I went through it a few times, and I don't, the only thing I could pick out of it, when he says, you don't get to shoot somebody 21 times. Listen, Chief, you, that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. you got four cops shooting or three cops shooting. That's not that many bullets per person. If you're justified in shooting, it doesn't really matter how many you shoot. If you're not justified in shooting, it doesn't help. If you only shoot one, it doesn't help you. Okay, so one of these days, Chip, we're going to have to make a video, and we're going to have to have four of us shooting at a target, and we're, we're going to prove how many shots you can fire in just the space of a second and a half and get all those shots off. But it, it was a very confusing article, and I just didn't get where they were going with it. You know, Brett took care of the stupid chief part. I'll take care of the stupid officer part. Um, all the way up to that point, everything was fine. At what point do you lose your focus to the to the point where you can see, and I saw in the video, the guy pulling the taser to him by the wires of the taser. He's on his knees. Hold, he's been tased and shot thought. a bunch. Go hold ahead. That go thought, ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll get, we'll get right back to it. But, hey, guys, I uh, I want to give a, a shout-out to some of our radio sponsors. So, you know, we've got a video show on YouTube, but you very likely might be listening to us on radio. So uh, we are in Good Talk Radio, the part of the Cutting Edge Radio Network based out of Mesa, Arizona. So a shout-out to them. And, hey, we've also been signed with Boss Hog Radio, so the Boss Hog Radio Network. Now, there's a, a, a number of stations, so I can't even memorize these, but they've got uh, WKFL, uh, 1170 AM in Bushnell and WWAB, 1330 AM. They're in Lakeland and Plant City. Uh, WHN, 
I'm sorry, WHNR, that's 1360 AM in Winter Haven. And then in Avon Park, you've got WAVP, which is 1390 AM and also 107.5 FM. So uh, we really enjoy, you know, having them, you know, sponsor the show and help and help Given, given us access to the listeners, you know, to be able to talk about, you know, law enforcement in today's day and age with everything going on, you know, so hopefully the listeners are finding this stuff, you know, informative. So um, guys, if there's um, nothing else here, David, I'll, I'm, I'm sorry I had to cut you off, but you're jump right back into it, buddy. You know, what I was saying, the um, everything was was going fine. The officers were were doing everything right on the mark up until that point. And at what point do you, did they lose focus on what was happening in front of them? You've got a guy that's, that has been shot and, and tased and beanbagged and everything else. Um, he's down. He's, he's on the ground, not laying on the ground. He's up, up somewhat upright. And he is in the process of dragging a taser to him by the wires. And you're seeing this happen in front of you. So where did your thought process break down to, to suddenly say, okay, He's on his knees or sitting, whichever one it was. I couldn't really tell from the from the from the video um, that I need to shoot this guy. If he gets up with the taser in his hand and he wants to advance toward you with it, absolutely. Now, now we're good. We're golden again. Light him up. But he's on the ground with a spent taser. You know it's spent because he's dragging it by the wires. So, I mean, if they had done so well up to that point. That's where they lost me. Was on that one. That lack of observance of seeing that develop in front of them so i mean if, if the shooting turns out to be justifiable because he armed himself okay but i think the chief may have a leg to stand on to say you know you guys went way outside of po i mean our policy or our procedures or what i expect of you to take some sort of discipline disciplinary action against them whether or not they're able to get their jobs back around that kind of stuff i don't know but uh, I, that was problematic to me well, thank, thanks, David. Uh, and, and Brett, I know that uh, Brett and Ward are, are, are going to be weighing in on this. And, and and touch on, I don't know, Brett, if you see a possibility of the guys, I don't know what the conditions were, the visual conditions, how well they were able to see. But, you know, tasers come with more than one cartridge. So I don't know if that was a possibility where they didn't realize it was, you know, empty of all the cartridges. Or I don't know if the female officer communicated everything to them. But but go ahead, Captain. Well, a couple things. If, if you think he's about to fire a taser, get out of his, get out of that danger zone. Back up out of the way. Form a perimeter. Get out of his way. And I just wonder if all those officers shot, did did one shoot, and the other the others followed suit? You know, with a sympathetic fire. I doubt that they all saw what they all saw. So were they all wrong, or was one wrong and the other simply followed suit because that guy was shooting? I disagree to an extent. Maybe it's just semantics with Brett. I believe that the number of shots does matter because after someone is incapacitated, you can't keep shooting even though you were justified in the first place. In addition, I think there comes a point that even if you were justified, maybe you back off a bit because that many shots, the optics are very bad to the public. They're very bad to a potential jury. So I think there has to be a weighing of the risk and actual danger. So if someone's throwing a rock at you, don't, don't shoot him 21 times. Or if he's grabbing for a, a taser, I think while it might be justified, I think it's prudent uh, uh, to hold off a bit and see what happens. Thank you, Ward. Hey, here's the deal, though, Chip. Here's the deal. 
I, I, I agree. I think it was um, you watch the guy slow pull the taser, but this guy also looks like the you know the the, the bad guy that just won't go down. So you know let's let's just change the scenario around. You know for Ward's point, that guy got hit with tasers, got hit with soft you know with beanbag rounds, and he's still standing. He's still in the game. So there's a part of you want to say you know I don't I I think it was a case of sympathetic shooting. I think the 21 rounds, I don't care because if they really thought he was, that guy hadn't stopped. He had not stopped one bit with all the less than lethal that he used. So maybe 21 rounds wasn't enough. I have no idea. I, but I don't really care much about the rounds. I do think it was a case of sympathetic shooting because the one guy shoots that you see on the video and then it is a barrage of firing. But I'm just like Dave, I had an issue with, he's slowly pulling his, uh, you know, a spent taser I just want to say real quick, and you know, Ward touched on it before. First of all, I think we need to be real careful about what we, um, and and obviously we make an opinion on here all the time, but be careful of making a, a final opinion before we have all the facts. Um, I stood firmly with the George Floyd not making a decision until we got all the facts, and a lot of things have have come out since then. I think even with this, obviously there are, are things that we can see to the visual eye, and then who knows what that other the other factors were. Maybe they were completely wrong. Maybe they were justified by one little, you know, it could be one little event that we have no idea about. Um, I just, I know I've gotten heat. Um, I've, I've read that I've gotten heat in the past about, you know, being careful to comment because I, I just, until I have all the facts, I have a hard time, you know, judging because I know that there were plenty of times where in a scenario I had to make a quick decision and maybe somebody else would have made a different decision. But I always felt like, my decision was, you know, thought out and, um, you know, I, I always felt like I was very sound. Obviously, you know, sometimes they're not, but I just think we need to be very careful making a judgment until we have all the facts. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks to our YouTube fan club. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe weekend, guys. And hey, want to give a shout out one more time to our sponsors. Uh, guys, we've got Calm Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, and Verding Weapon Technologies. Thank you guys so much. Hope everybody has a wonderful and safe week. Good night.